Inverse Genius episode 24, Inconsistent. In this episode, Eric talks to Adam Cetronowski all about inconsistencies in fantasy and other types of worlds. Inverse Genius is sponsored by our incredible Patreons at patreon.com slash obg. And also, be sure to head over to our Pod Pledge page and look for Inverse Genius there. You can support us through that. All those monies go to supporting the monthly podcasting costs, which we truly appreciate. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inverse Genius. I'm Eric Dewey, and you can find me just over at ericdewey.com, where pretty much all of my interests are consolidated. So you can check that out. Of course, you can always go to inversegenius.com and see all the other podcasts that we have going on there. Uh, today, for this particular episode, I have a longtime listener from uh, the Onboard Games. He's been on the show multiple times and is from Poland, Mr. Adam Centronowski. Centronowski? That's good. That's good. All right. it's, it's not Chevitek, right? <laughs> right. Uh, welcome, Adam. Uh, tell the great listeners where you can be found if you want to be. Okay, I'm actually hard to find, but I guess for the further listeners, if you want to reach out, my Twitter handle is at setimtg, at that's C-E-T-I-M-T-G, like the card game. Um, I usually use it mostly for my professional and agile work, but um, you can reach out there. At Onboard Games, I usually add the Board Game Geek handle, but... This is a yeah. different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So uh, you had contacted me with this very intriguing concept that we wanted to talk about. And then as I was uh, doing some running and jogging, the more I thought about it, the more interested and excited I got about this. So why don't you explain uh, to the listeners what it is that we're going to be talking about today? Okay. So I'll start on a pretentious note here. I just finished reading Robert McKee's story, which is basically a textbook for uh, hopeful screenwriters. Not that I plan to do some screenwriting, but it had some interesting information on how to analyze movies and how what, what differentiates a good movie from a bad one and I hope it also helps me with when I run RPGs but in the context of this discussion there was a interesting sentence on the fact that uh, when if you're writing a fantasy movie you, you you're asking the uh, the people watching the movie or guests reading the book or connecting with the IP to make a big initial leap of faith so everything after that leap of faith better be consistent and uh, what I wanted to talk about today is uh, kind of look at maybe some IPs and uh, uh, the places where the inconsistencies, uh, uh, where the author hasn't thought through the consequences of his choices uh, to the real world, uh, really uh, take you out of the of the watching or reading or viewing. Yeah. Yeah, the internal consistency of these worlds, typically fantasy worlds when you start bringing in magic, but um, it could be other worlds as well. And and this is something, the more I think about it, the more kind of angry or disappointed I get <laughs> when I think of different inconsistencies. Um, before we jump into some IPs that have not good internal consistency, let's talk about at least one that has good, solid internal consistency. And for me, that would have to be the Lord of the Rings, the whole Middle Earth uh, area because the whole idea of you know Gandalf and his magic and all the wizards I mean they were there to be guides to the people whether they were elves or or humans or dwarves and so you know they could have tried to take them over and in fact that's what Saruman tried to do uh, but that's not their purpose in the in the world their purpose is to act as a guide and ultimately only Gandalf sort of pulled that off but that, first of all, explains why he's relatively reticent to just take charge and take command. And, and it also kind of keeps the scale of power sort of in line, I think. Yeah, and all memes aside, right, you, you understand why they had to be quiet moving the ring through through Middle Earth or like, they can fly in on the eagles and so on. It all binds together. You're not... Uh, um, you're not just saying Gandalf casts a wish spell, right? And they're on Mount Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, if 
considering you had all those Nazgul flying around on Felbeast, if you just tried to go in with the Eagles, you know, who knows what would have happened. The uh, fantasy equivalent of anti-aircraft artillery or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so that's what... Now, now, granted, Tolkien created this whole world over decades, so the fact that it's very consistent is not a surprise because, I mean, there's just countless amounts of stuff that happened that he had already built. So when he was writing the story, he didn't have to think about what the impact would be of a particular thing because he already had thought that out. Uh, Counteract that with some other authors who who maybe didn't. (laughs) But before we get that, um, I had two two examples. One is the... um, is it the Kingslayer Chronicles? The Kingslayer Chronicles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so just 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 pulling one thing from that world where you have uh, since you have magic users, sort of, right? Um, and uh, you have magical items like lamps that burn forever. And uh, what I liked about that world is if you're rich enough, you can get that magic crossbow that kind of reloads itself or that everlasting refrigerator. But uh, the reason why those items are scarce is that um, it's not even the material cost. It's the fact that you need the right you need the right skills to do it, and you want the motivation. So, and for those that have not read the books, um, this will be a really tiny spoiler. But uh, most of the magic items are um, created by uh, upper level or upper class students. Who make who make money for their uh, to pay their bills, right? So you have to be <laughs> skilled enough to be able to magic make the magic item, but poor enough to need to do it. So there's always a labor shortage, which makes uh, the items available but not commonplace in every household. And I thought that was an interesting take on the economy of scarcity in a magic world. Yeah, and. Uh, the other, the, the other uh, IP I wanted to touch upon is surprisingly Dungeons and Dragons, or okay. specifically Second Edition. I recall an article in a Dragon magazine on the Blood War a long, 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 long time ago, right? <laughs> um, yeah. When they were discussing the castles used by the, they weren't called demons and devils in Second Edition, right? They were the Batsu or. Uh, yeah, we'll just call them demons and yeah. devils because it's easier to keep track of. <laughs> and you know they they had they had their different castles on the lower plains, but the article really went into this like a castle built by a demon is not going to have a moat and a wall and a something because <laughs> the position is just going to teleport over it or cast a destruction spell or something. Rather, the castles were these intrinsic labyrinths where you had hall rooms that were just traps like a room filled with acid from floor to ceiling or uh, <laughs> a room built out of mirrors so you suddenly don't know what what's happening right so that I, I also like that because this stereotypical fantasy game is going to have the old old castle war wall where the fifth level wizard would just cast fly fly over it and right <laughs> why bother at that point yeah Actually, though, on the other end of the scale uh, would be, like, the Forgotten Realms. We have a running joke in our game that, like, every farmer is a retired, you know, archmage <laughs> or, you know, 15th level cleric or something. Because, uh, first of all, in every encounter that you had, it always seemed that way in a lot of the published things. Oh, you know, the bartender used to be a, you know, 40th level thief or something. And then the other thing is that the characters are so incredibly powerful relative to the you know peasants and farmers and whatnot that i mean what would stop be able to stop them from just slaughtering everybody or taking over towns well so you 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 know basically the rising tide of the players rise the tide of all the other characters so it's it's what ken Hyde brings brings up in his podcast often when he says what stops a 20th level fighter from walking up to the king and just smacking him around Right. Exactly. <laughs> the fact that the king was a 30th level fighter. I guess. That's the only defense he has, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, while you were talking, I did forget I would be reminisce if I didn't mention another uh, IP that has good internal consistency, and that's the Discworld. Oh, uh, the Discworld yeah. is your bog standard fantasy. At least it starts out <laughs> that way. Um, but real early on, he, he talks about how 
it's just not worth it for the wizards to do all these great things because really all they want to do is just sit around and enjoy big meals and read. But, you know, if they take over stuff, then it, and there's actually a whole book that deals with what happens when suddenly they can do everything and take stuff over. And, and, uh, and the other thing is, is technology actually marches on inside the, the uh, Discworld. By the end of it, they have telegraphs, they have uh, trains, um, and uh, postal services, yeah. banks, and uh, and you know Terry Pratchett was really good about you know he'd write something almost as a joke in something, and then later on it would he, he complained a little bit it would complicate some of the stories he wanted to write. But you know once once you have the telegraph, then suddenly that you would just have to sort of deal with that technology, and so he he kept that quite consistent as well. Yep. So I'll see your Discworld, and I'll raise it raise it with Stargate SG One. Um, Alrighty. <laughs> um, and the first thing that comes to mind, I remember, I, I'm not going to quote you season and episode. I'm not that that big a fan. <laughs> but there was an episode where um, they had these invisible beings invade their base, and I was thinking, like, so what about that gizmo from two seasons ago that they built to detect invisible creatures? And then suddenly someone on screen <laughs> says, "Well, we have that gizmo that detects invisible creatures." I'm like, <laughs> "Yes, thank you." <laughs> You know, that is such a great point. I mean, how easy is that for the writers to include a throwback to an earlier episode? But how rare is it that it actually happens on a serialized, especially a TV show like that or some of the others where you're fighting monsters of the week, but every week you don't really remember what what you learned the previous week. Yeah, I call that the 80s cartoon syndrome, right? I, oh, yeah. I mean, I remember a lot of, I really liked G.I. Joe as a kid, and I loved that episode you did uh, back uh, Oh, yeah, ago. with Chaz? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I remember, even as a kid, I thought, you know, this plan that Cobra had was pretty good. If you could just fix these two things and try again... You would probably right. succeed, right? It was, <laughs> you just got unlucky. Or <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's start picking on some people that didn't think things through, or some IPs that didn't think things through. Okay. So I'll I'll, I'll give you a riddle. So what's the name of the series where I read all the books twice, watched the movies at least once, but now when my kids watch it, I just can't bear it. <laughs> Well, if it's books and movies, I'm just going to have to go with Harry Potter. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Are we going to poke at poor Quidditch? Or <laughs> oh, my gosh. Quidditch. It's a soapbox for me. It's not a good game in any way, form, or fashion. <laughs> and I always feel terrible because you see periodically, like, you know, summer camp, Harry Potter camp, and the kids are playing Quidditch, so they're running around on this field with brooms between their legs. And I was like, you... You know, this game doesn't work. You can't play it normally. First of all, I mean, just the whole danger to the kids if you were to play, you know, actual Quidditch, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a deadly game, right? <laughs> I suppose if you grew up playing rugby or, you know, seeing rugby, it wouldn't be quite as bad. But Still. still. And then the scoring, the scoring just makes mm -hmm. no sense. And it's so funny because I remember reading something that... Um, uh, you know, J.K. Rowling wanted a way for Harry to be the star, but you could still do that without this 300 points. <sighs> the whole golden yeah. snitch thing, absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, you t I mean, yeah, just look at any sport where there's positions on the team and anybody can have an opportunity to be a star. Mm. Just have to give them the opportunity. But, okay, so Quidditch, but Quidditch in and of itself... It doesn't uh, doesn't really invalidate or isn't it isn't not consistent inter internally. It's just a, a bad idea. <laughs> okay, so I've got probably four four or five issues with the Harry Potter world. Now again, let me caveat this. I enjoy it. I like Harry Potter. I've uh, been to the London tour I think three times now. So, <laughs> uh, but there's there is a lot of it that just grates on my nerves so, so. I'll, i'd be happy to visit the universal studios because i think it would mm -hmm. be a great experience but just, especially the movies that cut out a lot of the background are really jarring i think but that's that's on the screen right yeah. here okay so my my biggest hugest issue with everything in in 
in uh, Harry Potter is the concept that the the wizards have no idea what muggle life is like, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, even Ron's dad is in charge of investigating, you know, what mundane technology is and you know, they they don't understand any of it. Yet sitting in their house with Hermione and, and Harry are two people who grew up with regular technology and clearly are not unusual in that manner. So and then we go to the other extreme where if you have all this magic, how are you poor? What does that even exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah. At least Star Trek got that right. My in a post <laughs> in a post scarcity environment, you're not going to have poor people. You might have thieves or never do else, but poor people, no. Yeah. Well, that, that as an aside, that was something that irritated me to no end. Was apparently Harry is incredibly rich, right? Mm-hmm. He's got all his money, gold sitting in the bank, yet he never sort of helps out the Weasleys who apparently are poor because Ron is always having to, you know, wear hand-me-downs and has a broken wand through half of it. And yeah. I, I think I, I remember like a priest saying like magic schmagic, but Harry Potter is a awful role model, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, and it suffers. And, and this is more an issue with the tropes of young adult stories, but it suffers from the fact that if only the people who knew what was going on took five minutes to explain everything that was happening. Half of the tragedy that would occur wouldn't have happened, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but that's just but, bad screenwriting often, right? Yeah, I mean, that is that is pretty much a... Tr- I mean, the idea that teenagers can, can save the world mm-hmm. requires a certain bit of hand-waving sometimes to make that kind of thing happen. Yeah, as an, as an aside, um, there's a... Uh, role-playing game, Hero Kids, that, that's aimed at... Uh, yes, you know? yeah. And I think the, the book starts with saying, like, the assumption is that these all the adults in this world are clueless, right? That's why you're playing yes. a six-year-old <laughs> who has to save the world again. <laughs> and they kind of make fun exactly. of that trope, but at least they, 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 um, they point it out. Yes. But then, again, you've got all of this magic going on, and it gets tacked to your point of why is anybody poor... Uh, they can do functionally anything, right? We've seen them fly, we've seen them teleport, kill things, um, transform into other things. I mean, it's limitless. So, then you bring up the question of, well, why don't they rule the world? (laughs) And they're they're clearly part of the government, right? (laughs) Right, they're, yeah, they're, they've apparently have agreed to, you know, sort of this bicameral thing or we'll take care of the magic stuff and the muggles take care of the regular stuff. But I don't know if that's worldwide or if that's just in in England. Because the other part of this is the whole other rest of the world is sort of ambiguous as well. Yeah, it's we have a school in France and was it Romania, Russia? What was the other school? Some quasi-Eastern blockish yeah. area. So that's, does that mean they closed the German school after the Archmage Hitler ran off or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, that is just a fascinating concept. I mean, where were the wizards in World War II? What was going on there? I mean, you could actually have some really interesting stories where, you know, the Nazis have recruited their own branch of wizards and now the other wizards have to kind of go. But I don't know. This this being secret and hiding in plain sight and and yeah, especially with the English the, wizards, right? They were being bombed all day long for five years. Right, yeah, <laughs> and we've seen them make shields. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen them be able to shield things. So, you know, apparently the need to keep the secret hidden is greater than the need to protect lives or something. As we saw in and then, fantastical creatures, right? Right, right. Which, again, was just sort of hand wavery a little bit it's like well this is this is why and then to me the core the core thing that bothered me and it took me about four books before i got over it was the fact that in every single one voldemort's the bad guy Mm -hmm. as if there's only one bad guy in their universe and and i was really you know by the third or fourth book i'm like okay fine every single time it's going to be voldemort so 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 be it but you know, but in the second book, I was like, really? We're going to go dip in that well again in the third book? I'm like, okay. And then even with the with the uh, Fantastical Beasts, it's it's Voldemort's, you know, it's Sauron's master, Morgoth, or whatever. 
Yep. Um, well, at least JK could have maybe introduced the Horcruxes earlier, I guess, looking at hindsight, mm -hmm. right? Get more... It looked like it was it was missing the, the through line, right? The, the through line was just right. Voldemort, whereas uh, you need more to hang on that plot. Yeah, it really felt like, oh, we need to come up with something else, so let's do this. Now, I will say, I was finding the quality of the books going down. You know, 4, 5, and 6, I was much less enthralled with. Mm -hmm. But 7 did surprise me, and I found it really tightly written, and I, I really got back into it uh, after reading that one. So, Might be the... Basically, I guess... I'm sorry. I bought all the assumptions, so let's tie it up. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it, it's something I call. I think I call the King effect, right? If you look at Stephen King's book, the first ones are very, uh, basically thin. They're very tight. They're very well plotted, very well executed. And then he started to bring in the money, right? So they let him, I guess, do anything he wanted. And then you get the bloated books. And then yes. after after his uh, accident, yes, he kind he kind of went back to writing <laughs> yeah yeah okay and so yeah having having those um well as we can see in star wars as well having some restrictions on your resources can certainly help you create tighter plotted things by virtue of you can't do whatever you want yeah. so since we're on star wars <laughs> <laughs> um uh, again, we I think anyone can come up with lots of plot holes. I think the most the most recent one is the why doesn't everyone jump ships into other ships? Right, right. Um, right. And, uh, I know there's uh, immediately there was some explanation that hyperdrives are very very expensive and it's not worth the effort and drones can pilot them and and stuff and I know and that sounds exactly BS as it sounds right. Right. Yeah. It, it's got a we got to hammer this screw back into the board. <laughs> but um, as I said before we started recording, I give Star Wars a pass for, I'm going to say, two headcanon things. One is, if we assume that the Force is kind of guiding everyone, then we can explain why these guys don't get shot because the Force kind of deflected the, um, def defected the blaster bolts and because it was their fate to, I don't know, you know, pull that handle or blow up the Death Star or something. <laughs> and right. then the next step is, um, if I mean, if we look at the original Star Wars, it's it's the basic, uh, um, you know, hero's journey distilled to to the core, just in in sci-fi trappings, right? And if, mm -hmm. if we kind of look at if if we imagine that the whole plot of the Star, all the Star Wars movies are being told by that that uh, young guy you know that guy from the um what was the casino planet um you know the young boy that was at the end was like telling the story of luke oh. skywalker like, right right so, yeah you know, if it's if it's a myth that lives in the in the heads of all these people just telling this story then you don't have to look at consistencies right when i go and tell the legend of icarus i don't have to explain that like you can't really glue feathers with wax to your back right it's some that right. we can do it and and we don't poke holes at the myths so if we think of the star wars as kind of a myth telling of the, the galaxy's history then you know it, we can kind of shrug off some of these strange strange things or we can blame lucas it's possible <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think part of the issue is that with Star Wars is any little quote, any little line from the first three movies ends up having to have significance somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when Obi-Wan talks about fighting in the Clone Wars, well, now we have to have Clone mm -hmm. Wars when we start visiting those eras. Or, and to me, the biggest sin is in the, uh, it's not so bad in the current expanded universe, but in the old expanded universe, I mean, every single person had this incredible backstory by the time it was all over with and and half the time whatever you saw of one of those races whatever they were doing in the movie that's what the entire race does <laughs> so like all the rodinians the greedos are all bounty hunters and that's not you know, all the just uh, at all right <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy and and like uh, 
if you read the book Tales from the Cantina, nobody went to the cantina because they had a hard day of farming and they want to go get a drink. You know, there's all these incredible, sometimes good, mostly not good, you know, plots to go in there. And so... So did you get a chance to read the new Thrawn books? Timothy Zahn is like kind of reinventing I read... I've read the I've read the white one. Mm-hmm. I think it's just called Thrawn. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that one because you kind of saw Vader in the back, and you get to interact with Grand Moff Tarkin his day to day, right? And you, and mm-hmm. you get to see how the bureaucracy worked, and it was a kind nice look of how um, people can get corrupted by power and and so on, and and how the Navy works in, in a reasonable way. And but I recently finished the second book. And the second book is, well, it was hard. Oh, the, the bo- <laughs> that's too the bad. Book, um, so the Emperor sends Tron and Vader to investigate a disturbance in the Force. Now, he does that because, uh, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, Tron met Anakin on that planet when they investigated no, Padme course. disappearing. So not only do we have this Oh no, they've known each other for 30 years. You also have Anakin, whiny as usual, and pining for Padme as usual. And, <laughs> like, it's, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and that does bring up another kind of issue with Star Wars, is apparently there's only six planets in the universe, it seems like, because it's the only ones they ever visit, right? Well, no, that one and was any planet new. they visit. That one was new, so <laughs> at least they gave you that. That's true. That's and true. the main antagonist wasn't Count Dooku, it was his cousin or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so props, yeah, right. props, exactly. right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I did find, if you just take episodes four, five, and six, I did find them relatively consistent, at least with coming with the Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is just because the only real experience we have with the Force is Luke as he's learning to use it. And Vader does a few things, but he doesn't, you know, and then the lightning and stuff. Yeah. But so, so it was ambiguous enough to where it worked pretty well. But then, of course, as other movies came in, then suddenly, oh, by the way, you can do this and you can do this. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it starts to lose its consistency. I have to say I blame role players a bit, I think. Um. Well, that's, that's, that was something I was thinking about. Because, you know, when West End Games first came out with their with their Star Wars RPG, they did a pretty good job of, of keeping things reasonable. But as the, as you know, stuff kept cranking out, you know, you needed to have, you needed to be able to make Jedi's and whatnot. And then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, even going back, I remember when I think I had the first uh, issues of Dragon Magazine when they were released on CD, I think, to one of the last things. Yep, I have that. And if you look through those, there's these never-ending fights is... So, Gandalf is a wizard. No, 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 he can't be a wizard because he's he's, he's casting cantrips, so he has to be a bard, but it has to be a modified bard. (laughs) And then, is Bilbo a thief? But he doesn't have any thieving skills, but what do you then, you know, the need for people yeah. to shove something into a, a, a defined system is, I think, that, that, that kind of, and, uh, you know, then the, I guess the people who wrote the books and so on kind of lived in that space by then, right? Yeah. I'd rather have something am, ambiguous, but not too much, I guess, because you, you, if you don't understand the limits, then there's no tension. Right, right. And you're just going. If Luke isn't uh, reaching towards his lightsaber while he's hanging upside down in the Wampa cage, you know, it was just like, oh, let me just pick that up. No tension. Yeah, or just the the lightsaber will dance by itself, kill the Wampa. Yeah, (laughs) go 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 find me some fire and. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Thinking of another IP that frustrated me a lot was uh, the X Files. Ah, yeah. And uh, again, fan of the show, certainly liked Mulder and Scully, but, you know, how many years? Six, seven seasons, Scully has found all these unexplainable things, and then, but never believes that there was something extra, you know, extraordinary going on. Uh, and then suddenly, of course, when 
when uh, Duchovny leaves. Now she has to be the believer, and then I forget who Robert Patrick, I think it was, was the skeptic. So now suddenly she believes, and it just it just rang so incredibly hollow to me. And I was like, you know, we can we could easily have her start to believe, and then have some other part of the government squashing it down. But but now that's they just sort of chose the easy way out. And by the end of it, I didn't even care about the conspiracy. Of course, the conspiracy itself was anything but internally consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really just look forward to the Monster of the Week episodes. Yeah, I know. I want to revisit the, that, um, Millennium, and a couple of those conspiracy shows from the late 90s. And they hold up so badly, right? Because you can see that this was the beginning of the long, long form, I guess, storytelling in the shows, but without... Um, Without any experience and without any forward-looking, yeah, without plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was what made Babylon 5 so incredible, was that he had it all scripted out for five years or, or, you know, outlined out. And so he could do foreshadowing in the first season that wouldn't come into play until the fourth season. And uh, Yeah, and then I can live I mean, through the bad CGI effects, and that holds up better even than the... Yeah, because it has, yeah, the, the incredibly slow-moving spaceships yeah. and whatnot. Uh, but speaking of IPs that said they had a plan, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, I'm a little lost here, I think. Okay, well, uh, I was I thinking know? of the remake of Battlestar Galactica. Ah, okay, okay. If we can get back to Lost then later. <laughs> yes, sorry. Ah, well, you can. <laughs> um, well, at least listeners will know that we're not breathing each other's minds and this isn't scripted. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um yeah, let's 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 jump down the lost hole and then we'll, we'll okay. Battlestar is a pretty brief. So lost, I think lost more than anything came with the promise that there's this um, secret and we're going to give you clues. It was implied more than explicitly stated, but these are these things and you can start piecing them together and maybe figure out with the characters what's happening and. Uh, I understand they needed to drop some of the things because life happens, kids grow too fast, and uh, actors leave shows and so on. So I I understand the pain there a bit. But, uh, yeah, they they, they kind of floundered right there. And and I think floundering is is a good term because they got picked up, then they got extended or whatnot, and... uh, it's it's really annoying that the showrunners are never honestly informed, you know. Um, yeah. If, like, okay, this was a successful show. Maybe we'll do a honest final, and then maybe we can do another show that's also good instead of uh, dragging on the these on. Yeah, and that and that brings up a it's a challenge in. Um, in television is that, you know, you can get dropped quickly or you can be extended beyond, you know, it's like, Oh, this is going to be a four season story arc. And they're like, no, we want a fifth season. So, well, I don't want to do a fifth season. Here's a bunch of money. Okay. Well, let's stretch it out. And, and, uh, what? and actually that, that kind of thing happened to Babylon five. Cause originally it was a five season story arc, but they thought they were going to be canceled after the fourth mm-hmm. season. So he compressed it all down and then suddenly they get moved over, I think, to TNT or something for a yeah. fifth season. So now he's got to write new stories, but this is really doesn't have any bearing on, you know, the old stuff. So that particular uh, season was particularly weak compared to the earlier ones. Yeah, yep, yep. But at least you know you you can you can tell that uh, Straczynski is is, is a better um, storyteller than most because he managed to scrape something out of that. And the yeah, made, exactly. And the made-for-TV movies weren't that were were pretty interesting as well, and he spaced them nicely throughout the canon. Yeah, yeah, that was true. But yeah, I always with Lost and, and some of the other shows like that, I get the feeling like the the writers are setting up this big mystery, and then. I don't know, two seasons in, they're like, okay, so what are we going to make this mystery be? <laughs> I mean, clearly that's what was going on with X-Files and the conspiracy. They're like, oh, we'll just make this, you know, part of this. And I, I couldn't even tell you what the conspiracy was anymore no. other than there were bees and black oil and I don't know what. No. So, the, But it didn't make sense. As, as, as a tangent, I'm running the um, Dracula 
does the air campaign right now. And uh, to be honest, I'm not sure what Dracula's end plan is, but at least I'm collapsing the possibilities around the player that they explore, <laughs> right? Not constantly just uh, treading water, which was, I guess, X- the X-Files' biggest fault. Yeah, definitely. Lost had some momentum. It just crashed into a wall at some point, I think. <laughs> no pun intended there. Um, yeah, and so then there's Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for two seasons of this four-season show, the opening credits talk about the Cylons have plan. a plan. I mean, it literally says that on the screen. They have a plan, dot, dot, dot. Truth is, they had no plan. <laughs> Because as the as season three goes through, it just gets weaker and weaker, and it's not making any sense. And if they have a plan, it's the worst thought out plan in the world because no one can follow it. And then, um, uh, you know, the in my opinion, the last episode of the third season gave a little bit of glimpse of oh, what what's going to happen. And then the fourth season just didn't do anything with it, and it just got weaker. And the, they gave up the whole pretense of them having a plan. The third season finale was the final five reveal, right? Yeah, it was that, and then Starbucks return. Uh-huh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's fine because they they if they they could have had a plan that fell apart because of the civil strife within the Cylon ranks, right? Yeah, I, and I think that I mean that that was a good direction. I think you know some maybe we should you know the the the, the I guess the hawks and the and the doves right within. The Cylon, right. that, that, that's an interesting concept, but uh, uh, yeah, and then the, but they didn't, but they didn't, didn't no, do anything with no, it. <laughs> no, and then uh, yeah, and then the finale. I remember obsessively going back to the original Battlestar Galactica, looking for clues how to interpret the what was happening in season oh. four. Yeah, and uh, both of them made I think as much sense. No, I'm kidding. I mean, I, I really loved the original, you know, 70s Battlestar Galactica, but I never looked for any consistency. You know, every episode, they never learned anything from the previous episode. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, were there any other IPs that we wanted to pick on for we... Uh... So, how, uh, I'm thinking, I'm looking at my notes, and uh, I guess Hunger Games, I'll hit, hit that as well. Um, oh, yeah, that's a good one to pick on. I think it's... <laughs> Everything that we talk about with hunger is, will, is going to apply to the other. What was it? The labyrinth? No, not the labyrinth. I don't even know the name. The maze runner. The maze runner. There you go. And the yeah. um, the the, the divergent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, 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 I had no stomach for those. So, <laughs> I mean, again, high concept. And I think that the, the, our, our nitpicks boil down to this. I have this great idea for a high concept, and I don't think everything through. Because, uh, I mean, history is littered with these uh, uh, um, examples of where the victors made uh, made, made um, the, the people defeated suffer, right? Right. Uh, you know, throw them in the arena or uh, do other things. And even Stephen King had that book about the, you know, about the, dicta- the U.S. dictatorship where, you know, you could start in this... Uh, race where you just had to walk forward and the last, and if you work too slow, you get shot, and then the last one, last person won. Right? So, the, 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 the concept of these bloody games uh, goes through everything and I, you know, I can I think I can picture a society that's you know, so decadent that they make teenagers fight you know, life mm-hmm. and death. But I could never wrap my head around the economy of the whole whole book. Right? Yes, yes. It's like we have these these people that get, can change their clothes by I don't know snapping their fingers, and have all this food and all these electronics and these hovercraft and so on. And they need a whole big, I guess, a state, right? Because the districts that's probably you know, yeah, state a chunk of the U.S. So like, we yeah. need all of Pennsylvania to mine coal. And like, right. <laughs> At least the guys in Florida and, are picking oranges. Yeah. <laughs> if you want fresh oranges, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, to top it all off, when they finally rebel, then they just bring in, you know, bombers or whatnot. They just level the mm-hmm. place, right? Uh, and I think in the last book. And 
So my thought is, well, now what are you going to do for power? Because apparently this was your only source of coal or whatever it is you were mining. I think it was coal. And you have just destroyed everything there. So what are you going to do when your coal runs out? <laughs> yeah, it's like... And that, it just drives me bonkers. And so like each each zone was doing one thing. You know, we're making all your cotton. We're making all your food. We're making all your energy. And it's like, you know... And- you know, lampshade, like, yeah. we forced them to mine coal because they were the biggest threat during the previous fight. So now we're making them do the dirty work. And, uh, like, even even show a scene where you have, like, they have, uh, um, you know, this big pile of coal that just lies there because they dig out the coal and it doesn't get used. That would be, like, the biggest slap to those people, right? Right. <laughs> right, we, yeah. We're all on solar uh, solar energy, but because yeah. you guys rebelled, you're going to be digging coal for the rest of your grandchildren's lives, right? Or exactly. or maybe, you know, if you manage to fill the Grand Canyon with coal, then your servitude is over, right? Something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Right. Just that, that, that makes some... some uh, some more sense of uh, just I, I feel like if you really wanted to make a, a story based on you know teenagers fighting to the death there's probably other ways you know there's a more consistent world to build it in. so I did so my, my wife li- likes these as, as, as a guilty pleasure and she was watching I think Divergent uh, one night it was on TV so I so pulled up Wikipedia and like I'll just read the plot because I don't understand what's happening here <laughs> and apparently and again spoilers but if someone cares about spoilers for diversion I'm sorry for you uh, <laughs> apparently it was like you find out in the further books that it was some sort of social exper- experiment to see you know if, how, how yep. this how to model these civilizations like some but, whacked out Stanford prison experiment yeah but st- <laughs> How many people would have to be on that in on that conspiracy? Right? Well, they walled off all of Chicago to uh-huh. do it. I actually read all the books, okay. and I will say I did enjoy the end of the Divergent series more than I did the end of the uh, Hunger uh-huh. Games series. Um, but yeah, it, you find out, which I thought was a really cool twist. Mm-hmm. Actually, they get over the wall, and suddenly, you know, it's not this dystopia that they think it is. But then. You know, who are the sadists? And I forget why they had to do this experiment. But, you know, you think the moment they start shooting people, maybe the experiment should end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if you... If, and there was some reason for it, but I forget what it was. I mean, I guess if you had that code, like, if, if you went the Stanford prison route, right? And then mm-hmm. show like, police breaking, you know, breaking up into these... Um, the, the Truman Show, I think, did this fairly well while it's you kind of have to bend your disbelief at times because you know mm-hmm. how, how how fast are they being able to do these sets and like who's going to volunteer to play the role of the wife that you know has to um be the yeah. wife 24 exactly. hours and so on <laughs> but you know at least the, the, it was pretty poignant when he just walks out and leaves right so that that was such that was such a strong moment because the first thing I was thinking is, well, I want to know what happens to him in the real world. And and I realized that I had just gotten sucked right into the whole point of the movie. (laughs) I was like, Oh yeah, well done. Well done. (laughs) And that, you know, that's, that's how you do it. Exactly. So let's talk about, so I'm a budding author, let's say, and I'm going to write this story. Okay. Well, I'm not a budding (laughs) author, but a listener is a budding author and they are, you know, I want to write a fantasy story. What do you think are some of the steps that you want to make sure you take care of to keep these inconsistencies from happening? Well, I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd, I think I'd the, start with talking with nerds, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like, go to a convention, sit down, buy, you know, two or three people dinner and say, this is my, this is what I want to do. Pope. Tell me where it's going to fall apart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... Um, I, uh, an important thing is, is there, if, first of all, decide if you're scarcity or post scarcity, right? If you're scarcity, you can get away with a lot of things. I think if, you know, if you're a magician, uh, let's say, you know, um, if we go to role playing games again with the, uh, mage, the ascension, right? 
you kind of mm -hmm. on one hand the magicians were unlimited power on the other hand uh they were limited uh, the the more unrealistic things they wanted to do it was harder if i re recall because reality was pushing back so if you kind of mm -hmm. wanted someone to trip over you you, can, you you look to make sure he hit that uneven pavement and that was all the magic you needed right but if you wanted to conjure a dragon in the middle of the city that was very difficult right um and if you're doing post scarcity well you better you know think lots and lots of stuff through and we have a good very very good polish uh, sci-fi author uh jacek dukai and uh, in one of his stor short stories he actually had a post scarcity um situation where nanotechnology was at the point that regular consumer goods were basically free to produce kind of like star trek right so you had 90% mm -hmm. of the population which was on welfare they were just they went to school for like 3 years just to learn how to operate TVs and kitchens and stuff <laughs> and uh -huh. they just got you know all the stuff for free no one cared but they got the mass produced stuff then you had the the top tier was the, the the few people who had all the money in the world basically and in the middle you had these creative types that you know they direct movies or write books or do designer clothing to feed the needs of those people at the top. Right? So it was a completely different, it's a society that's completely different from ours because you had that big change in, 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 in what was happening. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, think, think, and so, yeah, but I, so, so maybe, you know, imagine you're an RPG character who has this power, right? If, if you're a Jedi in a Star Wars game, so I actually ran a Star Wars game where I had a smuggler and five Jedi, and it fell apart oh, wow. like, after three adventures because I had <laughs> no idea how to challenge them. Right. Like, we need to break into this train. Okay, force jump, cut off the, the train, yeah. <laughs> done, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will say that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Solo movie was... No force. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so it doesn't really matter to me. But, um, but yeah, it was really nice seeing no force, no Skywalkers involved in anything in this movie. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they overdid the old name is Solo. No, don't. Yes. Oh, yeah, don't that was, that. that's, that's corny. That was, that was bad. Yeah. But it would have been funny if like yeah. all, all through the movie, because it, he, he picks up his blaster in the movie as well. Right. Yeah, I think uh, Lando gave yeah. it to him. It would be funny, like if people kept handing him blasters, looking like his iconic blaster, and he kept losing them or blowing up or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, because uh, because you knew if he was always, you know, he was walking away with that no matter mm -hmm. what. That and the Falcon, you knew those two things were going yeah. away. And in fact, um, speaking of Star Wars, there was a really fun book that was written uh, called Death Troopers, and it was basically zombies in the Star Wars uh -huh. universe. And um, it was it was really well done, and I enjoyed it. You know, so this this zombie virus is going through the Star Destroyer, and so these people are you know there's like a some generic Imperial officer or somebody who's who's sort of your main character that you're you're watching and hoping they survive because they're generally a decent person kind of thing. And then about halfway through the book, they they release a couple of prisoners that are in the Star Destroyer, and it's Han Solo yes. and Chewbacca, of course. And I was like, ah, oh, great. Well, at this point, you know, all all the suspense is, is notched mm -hmm. down a little bit um, because, you know, nothing's going to happen to those guys. Yeah. Um, but uh, I actually met the author and I was talking to him about it. And he was kind of like, well, you know, if you're going to write a Star Wars book, somebody's got to be in it. That's, you know, from one of the movies. Is, is that is that something that the IP people want or is it just? The publisher, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of good IPs, um, we started a while ago. BM, me and the wife started watching Z Nation. I don't know if you saw that. Oh yeah, I have not. Okay, so you'd think you know generic uh, zombie show, but honestly, it's like Walking Dead done right. Yeah. Um, now you yeah. lost half the listeners. <laughs> but <laughs> well, I agree. I, I had to stop reading Walking Dead. It was just too brutal and 
Well, th this is Cyclical. this is very brutal, but I think it's it's one of those places where they did think things through. You know, it, it, it's your standard zombies wake up, most people are dead, survivors have to get from point A to Z. But um, I I like the the characters are fairly well motivated, and you know you have this secondary economy where drugs are important and um, bullets are used as currency and so on but then you have these places where people kind of hold up and are living safely and <laughs> one of the episodes they hit this uh, place and you can sign up to win a sniper rifle right <laughs> and it's like 20 people that, and, and the shooting range is a guy is driving an ice cream truck and the zombies are mindlessly following him because they hear no, <laughs> no, <he's>, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is so, funny. And so, you know, and that's probably something a an RPG player would think up of, right? I get in the ice cream yeah, truck absolutely. and drive them. <laughs> yeah. And so, think like an RPG. Like if you had this power, if you had this weapon, if you had this, if you were a wizard in Harry Potter's world, what stops you from winning the, you know, for ruling the world? Right. right. And it needs to be something more substantial than like a social order or, a, uh, you know, they just don't want to or something like that. I mean, there needs to be some reason behind it. Yeah. So I think I think actually that is that is the solution is just think of it like an RPG or if you were given this ability, how do you uh, how do you keep the world in check? <laughs> you know, you DM and I, and I DM and we know that players are very hard to. The tro the tropes from the various IPs are hard to follow because players are going to look for the easiest way out, mm -hmm. right? So uh, yeah, again in my Dracula yeah. game, you know, uh, uh, running around around with UV lamps and silver bullets and so on. But it makes sense, right? Why would you send someone without yeah. UV lights to fight vampires? Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's already. You already have the, the checklist of, all right, these are the things we need. Or, you know, you're playing the zombie apocalypse game, you know, all right, we need this, 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 and this. We've already thought it through, so. And how do you uh, make it interesting? Uh, and when you have that answer, that's your world. It may be a DM yep. or book writer or something. Exactly. Well, Adam, this has just been a fascinating discussion, and I've gotten more off my chest than I realized I had. <laughs> Psychotherapy through podcasting, the new fad. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's probably a few listeners who've been yelling at their, their radio as they've been listening to this. So if you have other uh, areas that we missed, there are comments. You can put comments on the Inverse Genius podcast. You go to the, the page where it talks about the podcast. You can add comments about it, and we read all of those. Um, and so, yeah, let us know some of the IPs we missed, or if we made a mistake, or if you disagree with us, let us know why. And if you're a big Star Wars fan and you disagree, it's ericdewey.com. <laughs> Eric at ericdewey.com. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm as big a Star Wars fan as pretty much most people. So, uh, But that being said, I don't, I'm, not, uh, I'm not immune to some of the weaknesses in the storylines. <laughs> cool. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited that we we're finally, it took you having to come off, you know, halfway across the, or come across the Atlantic Ocean so that we could actually do this, but uh, I appreciate it. Oh, I was happy to, to do this, and, you know, this sets a nice cadence of uh, podcasting you with you about once a year, right? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I'm Eric Dewey. And I'm Adam Tatnarovsky. And you've been listening to the Inverse Genius Show. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.